And then Wednesday nights, we're on worldviews. We're going to actually do some worldview sharing today. But on Wednesday nights, we're doing that more, a little bit more of a teaching mode. We're covering a lot of things. Uh, the next two weeks are planned. They're both going to be knockouts, I guarantee you. Uh, going to be really, really good stuff. And so we're going to be uh, taking advantage of that in this day and time. So I'm here to tell you today that we're going to go into some deep stuff today. And I'm glad you're on your horse. And uh, I know that you set seat belts and cars, but we need it on our horse today, okay? I'm not going to preach a sermonette to a bunch of Christianettes. Oh, they didn't get that one. I'm not here to preach a sermonette to Christianettes. Like the old Pentecostal preacher said, I'm not here to preach sermonettes to the Christianettes who have the cigarettes smoking habit, and I'm going to make sure that you get rid of that today, or something like that. <laughs> or the Methodist pastor that says, Beloved, I'm glad you're here today. I don't preach sermonettes either, even though I look like it. Anyway, um, thank you for forbearing with me while those little bits of humor. And Jonathan probably said very little bit. <laughs> oh, we're going to miss you, Jonathan. They're moving to Tulsa. Him and Jen, yeah. So uh, he and I always have a little opportunity to pick on each other. Uh, when they're able, because they've been spending a lot of time in Tulsa anyway. So uh, what we're doing is, you know, uh, God used to live in Dallas. God used to live in Tulsa, right? Before he moved to Oklahoma City. And we're going to send a representative back to rekindle the fire in Tulsa. So that's what it's all about there. Praise the Lord forever. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the anointing that's already on your word. We thank you for breathing by your Holy Spirit to each and every individual, especially what they need today. God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to share Christ and Him crucified. And we have the opportunity to be able to join in with Him in the significance of that. That you didn't make us just to be able to go to heaven someday. But you made us again, the new creation so that we can be everything that you have an intention for us today. And Father, it's our pleasure, our pleasure to be able to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, um, our purpose on mission for the church at large is to know God and to make Him known. And uh, a lot of us do really well in the first half of that. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Like I said, no sermonettes to Christianettes, that we know God and to make Him known. And that's our thrust as Christians, Christ followers, wholehearted Christ followers in the world today. I'm going to hit you with some things that may be a little tough, but if you'll bear with me, I think you'll see that um, this is going to really, really help you. To be honest, I'm really ticked off at what's going on in the world today. I am ticked off. And some things have happened even this last week that I just feel compelled that we must address them. After all, that's what the pulpit's all about. 
I owe you to share truth. I owe you to bring the message of the Lord. I owe you that. And if I fail to do that, I'm failing in my mission. And I don't want to do that. I want to do the right thing. And I feel compelled today to be able to share about this, the new creation or the new world order. Uh, the recent a poll, actually about a year or so ago, was taken by Barna Research. And they came up with quite a few different things. And they, they looked at practicing Christians, what part of their uh, survey uh, actually included practicing Christians, what part of the survey included non-practicing Christians, if there is such a thing, and others included non-believers. And then they gave some questions to people to determine if they have a, the ones that said they're Christians, if they had a biblical worldview. And 51%, and I'm not sure this is one poll or two polls, because Kelly and I have actually read something that looks like it's the same, but maybe separate because they're talking about different things in them, uh, what he read and what I read. But 51%, correct me if I'm wrong, of the Christians thought that they had a Christian worldview. 51% thought they had a Christian worldview. And they asked them certain questions. Questions such as, uh, is Jesus Christ the only way? That was one of the questions. They asked another question, do you believe in reincarnation? And they asked several questions like that, and they actually established through the series of several questions, that the percentage of Christians who actually have a biblical worldview is 6%. I didn't say 60. Six. Right between five and seven. 6% in our country that call themselves Christians have a Christian worldview, or a biblical worldview, I should say. Can't say Christian worldview because some of them call themselves Christians that have some worldviews you and I have never heard of. But um, that's, it's so important that we do what we should have been doing all along. And I'm not talking about the people in these seats. If I am talking to you, praise God for it. But I'm talking to you to get you a bigger perspective than just of your home, your house, your immediate friends. The Bible has been lost again. When I read the story about Josiah becoming king, a little boy, eight years old, at 16 he began to seek God. By the time he's 26, they had uh, celebrated Passover like hadn't been celebrated since the days of the judges. That means it surpassed David and Solomon's days. But during that period, they found their Bible. He told them to clean out the temple, and they did. And when they're sweeping and whatever they were doing to clean all that junk out, we found the book. And that's the way that Americans have Bibles <laughs> at their home. But have they, really, have they really found it? Have they found it in their heart? Are they renewing their mind to it? Is the Word of God the Word of God or is it a plaything? Is it a book of poetry? Is it a book of prose? What is it? Or is it the Word of God? And that's what our determination is going to be able to give us by staying steadfast on the Word 
rather than some kind of uh, hype and hippity-hoppity stuff here and there, uh, the things that don't have any substance to them. All of us have heard about the New World Order. Many of us have heard about it for decades. And what it is or what it means, um, it is something that is uh, of the devil. It is something that will release the Antichrist. It's the same thing as what we read in the book of Revelation. And these things are important that we understand how this is playing out, not just to read it in Revelation, but to know that it's in Revelation and to see how it's playing out in front of us, especially as the end times are coming and they're coming at such a rapid pace, it makes you dizzy when you think about it. You go back just two or three years and think about all the things that were different in the world than they are now. That's the plan and scheme of the enemy. The war in Ukraine has awakened many people to see some things that, huh, this just changed overnight, it seems like. Well, it really didn't change overnight. It manifested overnight. There's a big difference in that. What I'm getting ready to say is not off the cuff. Uh, I've actually studied along these lines for a number of years. And if you will go down this road with me today, you will see what has been going on for so long and now that is manifesting right in front of us. Where am I going to jump uh, with this? Where am I going with it? Well, let me jump ahead, okay? I posted on Facebook, my personal Facebook. Well, let me go back. I posted on Facebook several years ago something to this event. I said, these particular issues are not political they are moral. And I named three issues, abortion, you know, the killing of innocent human beings in the womb. Number two, quote, unquote, same-sex marriage. And number three, runaway spending by Congress. Those are not political issues. Those are moral issues. As a result, they're spiritual in their, in their meaning and understanding. And if we overlook these things, which we have overlooked for a long time, then there is a penalty to pay sooner or later. And the penalty is going to be in the degradation of young people in this country. They're not going to have the picture, the environment, the understanding the ability to be able to grab a hold of the previous generation. They're going to have to be like Josiah and start all over, brand new. And there's no need for that. The fact of it is that there is a church in America, even though it, it may be weak and not where it should be, speaking overall, there is a remnant. And there are people who love God with all their heart. And there are people who want to make God known with all their heart. And there are people who know the word of God inside, outside, upside, downside. That's the truth that we need to look at. So I'm going to cover some junk today. But just to kind of make sure that you know, you're aware of these things. And don't look at this as Democrat, Republican, or Libertarian, or whatever. Independent, or Green Party, or whatever, you know your thinking may be. Look at this through the eyes of the Bible. This is a moral, spiritual obligation that we have as partakers 
in this country of its uh, safety and of the things that have been given us, the opportunity to prosper, the opportunity for us to be the kind of people that we are today, good, bad, or indifferent. We need to appreciate that because there's been a blood of a lot of people that have fought for this and have set us up in a good way to prosper, to be in health, to have homes that are raised on the Word of God, and to be able to share the Word of God, and to be able to have churches and have open meetings, regardless of cancel culture and all the things that come with that junk. So, please understand, I'm here to lift you up. And when I lift you up by the Word of God, you know that the breath of Jesus is in this. And He will show every one of us a little something different on this. But the main context here is going to be very, very similar. The idea is we're going to bring unity to ourselves. We're going to bring unity to the Church of Christ in America. We're going to bring a unity to this country through the church. Because the church shall not be bashful. The church will stand up and the church will make the light of Jesus Christ known. And if the church doesn't do that, then we failed. And we are the church and we're not going to fail because he's already overcome. He's already given us every tool that's necessary and essential to make sure that we overcome in our lives and that we path, make the pathway for others to come behind us and follow. Yeah. Praise God. What does the world have to offer us? Well, we're going to look at a few scriptures this morning along those lines. <coughs> the first one's 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 20. I love the Word of God. Don't you just love the Word of God? Yes. And Paul is going to do quite a few of the right, uh, scriptures that we're doing today. I just love his approach as the Holy Spirit gave him. Where are the wise... Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Who will be saved? Not a trick question. Those who believe. Yes. Who's a believer in here? Okay. Come on, front row. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple... God will, will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. The temple of the Holy Spirit is you individually, but it's also us collectively. And it's a holy thing to God. A holy thing. So the church needs to act holy. If it is holy, according to the Word of God, so look in the mirror and say, how are you acting today? You know? Look at your neighbor and say, how are you acting today? Yeah. Are you acting holy? Well, I'm not talking about, you know, those holy outside things. 
I'm talking about that uh, thing inside called a heart. Oh. Verse 18, do not deceive yourselves. That's always good advice to listen to what comes after that. If any, oh, if any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. Uh-huh. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. Good place to say amen. All th- follow me as I follow Christ. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, at the world of life or death or the present or the future are all yours. And you are Christ and Christ is of God. That is a holy calling that we need to take seriously. <coughs> Excuse me. We only have a short period of time in this world. You only had a short period of time when you were born, by the way, in the light of eternity. A short period of time to get this stuff done. 2 Corinthians, first chapter, verse 12. 2 Corinthians 1, 12. Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relations with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. And we know that God's grace is the power of God to do that which we can't do ourselves. Formulating all the things, all his promises, making them real for us. So important that we do this. It is not coincidental that so many things have come to the surface in the last couple of years about evil. And some we regard as that and some are hidden as that. But just like all this this stuff about all the sexual island and all that kind of Epstein and Bill Clinton and Bill Gates and Prince Andrew. Those guys thought they ruled the world. They got caught. No telling what all went on there, the underage girls. But it came to the surface, and a lot of more things will be coming to the surface. Just make sure that you're being led of the Spirit that you're not mixing it up with the spirit of the world who is causing division. There's a big honking difference. Verse 13, For we do not write you anything you cannot read or understand. (laughs) My first pastor used to say, people say that they don't read the Bible because they can't understand it. And I tell you they don't read the Bible because they do understand it. And I hope that you, as you have understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. That's his coming back day. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice to be able to see Jesus and look at him and smile, 
rather than hide your face. For we, when we see him, we shall, he, we shall be like him when we see him. Spot-free and glorious to his call. And then one of my favorite verses, James 4.4. 4. James was such a sweet, lovable apostle. Always kind and courteous. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity or hatred against God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. There you go. The cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Those are all worldly things. Yet the world keeps bringing up its way of doing things, and the church continues too often to follow. It seems like instead of the church leading, the church is being led in so many ways. I want to refer to a memo from the U.S. Office of Population Affairs. Did you know there was such a thing? That's O-A-S-H. U.S. Office of Population Affairs. This is fresh off the press, released this week. Now I'm just going to read a partial reading of it. Gender-affirming care in young people. What is gender-affirming care? Gending affirming a care is a supportive form of health care. It consists of an array of services that may include mental, surgical, mental health, and non-medical services for transgender and non-binary people. For transgender and non-binary children and adults, early gender affirming care is crucial to overall health and well-being as it allows the child or adolescent to focus on social transitions and can increase their confidence while navigating the healthcare system. Research demonstrates that gender-affirming care improves the mental health and overall well-being of gender-diverse children and adolescents. Because gender-affirming care encompasses many facets of healthcare needs and support, it has shown to increase positive outcomes for transgender and non-binary children and adolescents. Gender-affirming care is patient-centered and treats individuals holistically aligning their outward physical traits with their gender identity. Gender-diverse adolescents, in particular, face significant health disparities compared to their cisgender peers. Those of you who don't know what cisgender is, it's male and female. Transgender and gender non-binary adolescents are at an increased rate for mental health issues, substance use, and suicide. The Trevor Project's 2021 National Survey on LGBTQ Youth Mental Health found that 52% of LGBTQ youth seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year. A safe and affirming healthcare environment is critical in fostering better outcomes for transgender, non-binary, and other gender-expansive children and adolescents. 
If you don't know what gender you are, just make one. And that's true. It's not in this, but it's true. Medical and psychosocial gendering affirming healthcare practices have been demonstrated to yield lower rates of adverse mental health outcomes, build self-esteem, and improve overall quality of life for transgender and gender diverse youth. Familia and peer support is also crucial in fostering similarly positive outcomes for these populations. Presence of affirming support networks is critical for facilitating and arranging gender affirming care for children and adolescents. Lack of such support can result in rejection, depression, suicide, homelessness, and other negative outcome. Well, if you read between the lines, there's a lot there. The when we affirm that which is wrong, it may put a patch on it. But for instance, the statistics are that a transgender youth, that is one who's either male or female, going to the other, transitioning over to the other sex through puberty blockers, other medications, and eventually surgical changes that the tendency for suicide, which is anybody who's tried it or anybody is violently saying it, talking about it, it doesn't change after surgical, surgical reassignment surgery. So these things in here are, they, and they cite some, some studies, but I've, I've done enough reading and studies out there there's, there's no long-term studies at all for a, a child who does this. Uh, there are people who made that decision as adults, and that's their decision. If, if you want to cut something off and make something else out of it, whatever, it's about as nice as I can say it. That's your decision as an adult. But when children start doing this, when five-year-old boy says he's a girl or a six-year-old girl says she, he's a boy, they need two things. They need parents and they need protection. Direction is what this is all about. And instead of a parent seeing a child dressing up as the opposite sex and thinking how cute that is, and then going down the road and enhancing that and supporting that, and continually to do these kinds of things. That's leading towards the worst kind of child abuse that you can imagine. There are things that are so horrific, I will not mention them, that this causes. There is a documentary by a very liberal uh, news broadcasting service called PBS. If you watch the video, if you want to, I watched it for an hour. I didn't watch the last 20 minutes. I couldn't handle it anymore. Of people who uh, are working with their adolescent and, and children and the parents. I, and I keep hearing two words all the way through these comments about parents and, and the kids. I just want to be happy. I just want my child to be happy. 
if they feel that way, then that's what they ought to do. I feel that this is what they need to do because she told me, or they told me, <laughs> that's one of the pronouns you use, that this is the way they feel. There was one parent on this documentary that I watched that had an objection spiritually to their child doing those things. One out of, uh, I don't know, four or five different marriages and families. And he, he wasn't one of these, <laughs> he said, I don't, I can't agree with that. I can't agree with changing his name to her name. And I can't agree with, I will not agree to puberty blockers and other medications that have no long-term studies and are not approved by the FDA for those particular things. And then he, she, it, whatever, said, well, if you want to do that, I want to change my name legally from a boy's name to a girl's name. And the father says, I won't do that. And the mother says, well, I'm going to find a way to do it without him. And at the end of it, the father says, well, I don't know what's going to happen. We could divorce. I mean, it, it, it brings division when somebody tries to stand on the truth. And it brings uh, a separation here that is dealing with somebody's eternal life. So the thing here is, there is no child at that age that's capable of making a life-changing decision. The prefrontal cortex is not even mature till they're 25, and you have a six-year-old declaring. I watched a couple of videos over the years. One of them was with a, uh, a boy who was the youngest of three kids. It's on YouTube. You can still see it. Uh, he declared he was a girl when he was five. And his parents and his older brothers thought that was really cute. And he went on and started dressing as a girl. He's seven, eight, nine, ten years of age, 11, getting close to puberty. He wants puberty blockers. So his parents made sure he got them, which they will say, this is going to pause puberty. It's going to pause it. So you have to make a better decision in a couple of years. I don't know how to make a comment on that without cussing. <laughs> Crazy insanity. And they actually go to the, um, they, there was a, uh, a, a program on TV with this, with this person. Yeah. Uh, the, anyway, they get to the point where they go to discussing now puberty blockers and now we want to talk about sexual reassignment surgery at 15. And it's sickening to hear those conversations. But I did listen to them. And they go to a doctor, two different doctors, as a matter of fact, getting information. I'm, I'm not going to burden you with the thoughts of what was said by these doctors who certainly don't know what the Hippocrates Oath says. But they, they actually put him through the surgical reassignment surgeries. One, two, three at the, the last one I heard he had just had the third one and it was starting to 
be okay because he had all kinds of issues. Got gained a whole bunch of weight. I mean, just <laughs> you're seeing somebody destroyed right in front of your eyes when you look at these things. And it's it's like, does anybody care? Yeah, they want to push him on through it. I saw another young boy, uh, an Australian kid, 12 years of age, told his mother, if you don't give me the puberty blockers, I will either run away from home or I'll kill myself. So his mother, and evidently it's a single parent mom, I'm not sure about that, but they always they never show a father in this. She was taking estrogen for herself. And in Australia at that, excuse me, at that time, you had to be at least 16 and you had to parental consent, you had to have a, a judge's consent. So she went around the law, circumvented the law, and gave her son estrogen, which in effect was a puberty blocker for him. Okay, so when he is 14, two years later, and he's been on estrogen to two years, and now he has breast, he says, mother, and they've moved from Australia to England, so he would have new friends who would know the boy, they would know the girl. And at 14, he says, mother, I want to be a boy again. And to remove the breast situation from a boy is very complicated. They had to go to South Korea to get the surgery he needed. I haven't heard the follow-up on that. It breaks my heart that children are being destroyed. If we don't kill them in the womb, we're going to try to make a pervert out of them when they grow up. Now, I want to make it clear. People that have gender dysphoria, my heart goes out to you. And there is truth waiting for you. And his name is Jesus. And he loves you and he cares for you. He wants to help you. Parents, he wants to help you. He'll walk through this with you. Please don't destroy your child. At least give them an opportunity to become adult before they make that decision. Don't put that on your own self, thinking that you're going to make them happy, because it doesn't make them happy. Why are we so perverted in our mindset that if somebody feels something, that's what they ought to do? I tell you what, being a Christian is tough. There's decisions to have to make to stand strong in the Lord. There's decisions to have to make where it says, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not covet, a bunch of other things on there. That's for your good, not for your bad. And it's not to make you feel bad, it's to set you free. Praise God. Where is the church? Where is the church of the living Jesus Christ today? Is there anyone who'll stand up for truth? Is there anyone who will proclaim that rather than, well, they're going to cancel me, or, well, they're, they're going to do this, or they're going to do that? Be like Canada, and you just lock the pastors up that you don't like. They've been doing that. John MacArthur is a well-known, older, I can say that because he's older than I am, pastor. I don't necessarily endorse his ministry by any means, but I certainly have a ton of respect for him. And he has stood up in the midst of all kinds of things, doesn't care, because he knows what the word is, and he says it, and he does it. And we need more people that are unabashedly ashamed of the truth of Jesus Christ. 
And that takes guts. It takes guts to be a Martin Luther and take that hammer and those nails and those 96 theses and nail them to the door of the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church went astray and they were trying to milk people, poor people, out of their last dollar. He brought change. It's called the Reformation. And it shook earth. And praise God for it. The first great awakening, the second great awakening. Ha ha, this have number three. That will shake heaven and earth. I see that as the answer. In fact, I see it as the only answer to this thing that's going on out there. There are all these movements that have come up in the last several years. They've been around a lot, lot longer than that. But there's these movements out there, and there's one over here, and there's one over here, and there's one over here, and there's one over here. And every one of them has the same spirit behind it. The God of this world, his name is Satan. I never capitalized that particular name. I put a little S-A-T-A-N, because that's all he deserves. (laughs) Yeah, these different things... The, the ultra, I'm not talking about environmentalists that are, have brains. The ultra green environmentalists, they want to shut everything down just so we won't hurt Mother Earth. Mother Earth. Earth ain't my mommy. They want to do certain things that hurt people so they can gain power. And here's the main thing in all these things, cause division. It will cause division. Black Lives Matter is another one. Great sounding name. Dig into the roots of it and see what's there. CRT, same thing. Dig into it, see what's there. These extreme groups that cause division and riots and all of the things that hurt people, there have been tons of black business owners that have been hurt through BLM. And of course, the truth's come out in the last couple of months about the leadership and how much money they've taken for themselves uh, and how they could own $4 million houses and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I have, and this is the newest that's manifesting. It's just another one of those movements. I want to read the letter that I posted. I am not bashful of this. To the parents of children and the children with gender dysphoria, please be assured that there are many people, including this writer, who love you and have great compassion for what you're going through. More importantly, there is a loving, caring God who is more than willing to listen to you and help guide you through this difficult time of life. There are many loving Christians who are more than glad to walk with you at this time. Please call upon the name of Jesus in prayer as well as a church in your area which shares his care. To the representatives of the people of the United States federal government, the executive branch of the federal government is so far removed from reality with its child sexual reassignment support that it boondoggles the mind of any knowledgeable, loving, caring, respecting human being. Mere humans shaking their fist in the face of a loving, and redeeming God have no idea what they're involved in saying. Children are to be parented and protected, not supported in feelings and attempts to make them happy, which are diametrically opposed to the law of nature. The facts are clear. The research is clear. 
Sexual reassignment surgery destroys the human soul into a false narrative of damning their temporal lives on this earth. The federal government should not dictate sordid stances to endorse the psychological destruction and sexual mutilation of our most vulnerable and precious asset given to us by God, our children. To the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judiciary branch of the United States of America, I adjure you to keep your hands off. You will be held eternally in contempt for this ruinous attempt to mock God and to steal, kill, and to destroy the lives of children and adolescents who deserve time to grow, develop, and make adult decisions about the rest of their lives on earth. Deuteronomy 30, 19, This day I call the heavens and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life, death, blessings, and cursings. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. In John 10, 10, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Thank you, Jesus. No apologies. Praise God. Praise God. I could go further into that memo that that particular branch of the, uh, of the executive department has come out with. That's enough said. When we look at these things, we have to consider more than one individual or a few individuals, children, their parents, those sorts of things. This is just too stinking much. Children, the ones we're supposed to protect and to parent, are at risk. Adolescents who are working on all that they go through, autonomy, identity, intimacy, morality. They're working those things out. They need help. They need support. They need to have people that will share with them the truth of the Lord. Just stop and think what's happened the last couple of years and how many, how fast it's manifested something that has been around for a number of years. I want to read some of the 45 tenets of a worldwide organization that has been working in the U.S. for decades. The discovery of this manifesto was published in 1958 after that discovery was made. Capture one or both of the political parties in the U.S. Use technical decisions of the courts to weaken basic American institutions by claiming their activities violate civil rights. I'm not talking about racial civil rights. That's totally a different picture. It's talking about the mamby-pamby stuff like we just read about. Get control of the schools. Use them as transmission belts for socialism and current communist propaganda. Soften the curriculum. Get control of teachers associations. Put the party line in textbooks. Infiltrate the press. Get control of book review assignments, editorial writing, policy making positions. I heard uh, Paul Harvey talk along those lines in 1968. Continuing, gain control of key positions in radio, TV, and motion pictures. <coughs> motion pictures. 
continue discrediting American culture by degrading all form of artistic expression. An American communist cell was told to eliminate all good sculpture from parks and buildings, substituting shapeless, awkward, and meaningless forms. Don't anybody talk about our big bird down there. <laughs> eliminate all laws governing obscenity by calling them censorship and a violation of free speech and free press. Break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio and TV, and of course we can add internet to that one. Just ask the current Supreme Court nominee what she thinks about pornography. Not good. Present homosexuality, degeneracy, and promiscuity as normal, natural, and healthy. Infiltrate the churches and replace revealed religion with social religion. Discredit the Bible and emphasize the need for intellectual maturity, which does not need a religious church. Eliminate prayer, any phase of religious expression in the schools, we know that's been done a long time ago, on the grounds that it violates the principle of separation of church and state. Discredit the American Constitution by calling it inadequate, old-fashioned, out of step with modern needs, a hindrance to cooperation between nations on a worldwide basis. Yeah, there's a, the New World Order talks about doing away with America, basically. Make one government out of everybody. Discredit the American founding fathers. Present them as selfish aristocrats who had no concern for the common man. Belittle all forms of American culture and discourage the teaching of American history on the ground that it was only a minor part of the big picture. Give more emphasis to Russian history since the communists took over. Infiltrate and gain control of big business. Transfer some of the powers of arrest from the police to social agencies. Remember this 1958. Treat all behavioral problems as psychiatric disorders, <coughs> which no one but psychiatrists can understand or treat. Discredit the family as an institution. Encourage promiscuity and easy divorce. Emphasize the need to raise children away from the negative influence of parents. Attribute prejudices, mental blocks, and retarding of children to suppressive influence of parents. Create the impression that violence and insurrection are legitimate aspects of the American tradition, that students in special interest groups should rise up and make a united force to solve economic, political, or social programs. This is a moral issue. From the off-the-wing, save-the-planet, mother-earth philosophy, or whatever you want to call it, the extreme environmental movement has done so much damage, along with so many others that I've already mentioned. I didn't mention the new monetary theory, by the way, along coupled with the Great Reset, which is trying to destroy the American dollar. All of these had good-sounding names, but when the action comes to the road, mm -mm. All collecting people, many of which had wonderful intentions for the future, but unfortunately, all are drunken with the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
All of this through the spirit of this world, its mastermind, Satan. Yes, the new world order is unfolding right before our eyes. George Orwell's 1984 and um, Animal Farm. Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. I read both of those in, back in, when I was in high school. Ray Bad, Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451. I think all of those have been made movies. And just who was this organization who published what I said? The American Communist Party. That's what their deal is. To infiltrate all aspects of American life, cause division, blow it up. Well, so much for that. <laughs> Why is the church so weak in all of these issues and tons more? Why are the new creations that Paul wrote about? Where are you? The new creations that Jesus died and rose again so they would have life. Where are they? Where? Have we as parents wanted our kids too often to feel good, to be happy? Or maybe we've overlooked. And I'm closing here in a couple of minutes. Maybe we've overlooked Galatians chapter 2. Let's go there. Reading from the NIV, Galatians 2.19. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself, gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Methinks that have been crucified is an extremely important requirement of Christianity. It's not a popular sermon at for Christianettes. The Bible tells us we've been crucified. Have we? Have we put to death the old man, the old woman? Have we put to death that Christ may found to be gaining in our lives. Let's look at it. I've got it somewhere. Oh, here it is. Let's look at Galatians 2.20 in Amplified. I have been crucified with Christ. In Him, I have shared His crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah lives in me. And the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in, by adherence to, and reliance on, and complete trust in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself up for me. If you were the only person that had ever sinned in the history of the world, Jesus Christ would have, Jesus Christ would have gone to the cross for you. 
That's your worth. That's that worth of that six-year-old boy or that 12-year-old girl that have a gender delusion, that need help, just like it is for a bank robber or an adulterer, whatever it is, to get back to Jesus. We've all sinned and come short of the glory. And we've all been placed on earth for this particular time. The question is, what shall we do with it? Verse 21, Therefore I do not treat God's gracious gift as something of minor importance and defeat its very purpose. It's not a minor thing. Crucifixion's not a minor thing. I do not set aside and invalidate and frustrate and nullify the grace, unmerited favor of God. For if justification, righteousness, acquittal from guilt, comes through observing the ritual of the law, then Christ, the Messiah, died groundlessly and to no purpose and in vain. His death was then wholly superfluous. Did Christ die in vain for you is the question. Did Christ die in vain for you to be the new creation? If Christ is in any man, he's a new creation. Behold, the old is gone. Everything is made new. Everything. Everything. A person is a Christian, isn't a Christian, is not, and then they are. Is there any difference? Well, I prayed the prayer... I know you took 45 seconds out of your life and made a decision about eternity. Was there any glue in it? And have you transformed your mind? Do you have any idea what God said about anything? Or you had some kind of religious experience where you felt something for a few minutes? Well, I'm saved. I got saved when I was 18 years of age at youth camp. And you're 58? And you've been to church five times since then? You've opened your Bible once to look up a verse that somebody told you about? Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Maybe you just stay at home since COVID ran you home and you're stuck there. And you don't fellowship with other believers. Maybe the devil's got you chained to your own computer. And besides, you get to watch that message whenever you want. Too busy Sunday morning sleeping. Too busy Sunday night watching television. Too busy... You know, it's Friday and I forgot to watch last Sunday's message. Oh, that was Sunday before I... You know, I haven't watched the message in a couple of three weeks now. wonder what he had to say. Oh, well, I'll catch up tomorrow or so. Folks, we've become lazy. We need to fellowship with each other so we can spur each other on. Praise God. King James Notice the little difference here. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, I don't live any longer. Christ lives in me. He also says, I live by the faith 
of the Son of God. My goodness gracious. I don't have to muster faith up. Oh, come on, Jesus. I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's what it and a lot of other translations say. Not all of them do that. They say something similar. But I live by the faith of Jesus. He gave me his faith so I can live this life. I don't have to act like an apple tree that doesn't know it's supposed to bear apples and just sits there and grunts all the day long. I hate to tell you this, but you're a Bradford pear. And that's so true in our lives. Our so similarities pop up. The BBE says, I have been put to death on the cross with Christ. Still I am living, no longer I, but Christ is living in me. And that life which I now am living in the flesh, I am living by faith. The faith of the Son of God, who in love for me gave himself up for me. We're getting close to Easter. What about the recognition of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? He who did everything for us. And now I have faith that he gave me to live this life. The ASV says, I live in faith, the faith which is in the Son of God who loved me. Darby says, but... I now live in the flesh. I live by faith and the faith of the Son of God. Webster says, I live by the faith of the Son of God. N.T. Wright says, I put this in here for Brad. I have been crucified with Messiah. I am, however, alive. But it isn't me any longer. It's the Messiah who lives in me. And the life I do still live in the flesh, I live within the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. By the way, Brad, uh, he changes verses 19 and 20 a little bit where he puts the number. Just thought I'd throw that in for no charge. You'll discover that if you haven't already, but that's kind of a, one of those little things. Kind of like, kind of eat, like eating candy. <sighs> I live within the faithfulness of the Son of of God. You know, it says in Timothy, one of your favorite books, that even when I'm not faithful, he is. That's kept me secure when I was trying to be a butt. More than once, by the way. I know you think I'm just sweet and precious, but... <clears throat> First Corinthians... And we are closing here sometime today. I'm actually on the last verses. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ. I wonder what he'd say today. Embryos? Zygots, what would he say today? I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, 
You're not worldly. You are worldly. Are you not worldly? Are you not worldly? That's what he said. Are you not acting like mere human beings? Oh, there's a kaboom right there. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? In other words, carnal, carnal, deep, carnal, deep. Paul didn't say this to be mean. He said this to wake them up. If I walk up to you and say, how you doing, baby? And I'm not talking about a female. If I call you a baby or an infant, wouldn't that kind of be a put down? Or would it? Is he trying to shake people up and say, hey, look, you're still an infant in the Lord. Come on now. Let's go. Let's saddle up and get on down the road. You ought to be on stake right now. You're still drinking and eating pablum. And we'll read the same passage in the Amplified. However, brethren, I could not talk to you as spiritual men. But as to non-spiritual men of the flesh in whom the carnal nature predominates, as to mere infants in the new life in Christ, unable to talk yet. He, remember we were reading that there's jealousy and quarreling among you, quarreling among you? And that doesn't, that's not talking about church of tomorrow, it's talking about church of tomorrow and somebody else. Okay? Because there's no quarreling here, but there may be Quarreling somewhere else? Just saying possibly. Moving right along. Unable to talk yet. Does our mouth give us away? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 2, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not yet strong enough to be ready for it. But even yet, you are not strong enough to be ready for it. For you are still unspiritual, having the nature of the flesh under the control of ordinary impulses. For as long as there are envying and jealousy and wrangling and factions among you, are you not unspiritual and of the flesh, behaving yourselves after a human standard and like mere unchanged men? For one says, I belong to Paul, another I belong to Paulus. Are you not proving yourselves ordinary, unchanged men? Folks, the answer to all this stuff in the world is the Bible. Not the spirit of the world and the words of the world, but the spirit of God and the words of the spirit of God, the Bible. And young people need to be taught the Word of God because that's life. And if the young people are not taught the Word of God, they'll grow up ignorant, without knowledge of. No wonder they're wanting to make changes in their physical body to agree with their whim of the day. Might be just the way that child is getting attention. Like one of them I spoke about earlier. Oh, isn't he cute? Oh, yes, cute the dress. Yes, absolutely. Come on, let's do it again. By the way, uh, pick up some videos 
on transgender adults that had this exchange operation. Find out what it's like years down the path. If you need a help on that, I'll give you a video or address of one. One man turning a woman years ago, 30 years ago, said, it's the biggest mistake of my life. The Word of God keeps us on track. It is the plumb line. Thy Word is what? To my path? It's what? And? The Word of God is light to my path. And? Lamp unto my feet. You're getting it. Thy word is lamp unto my feet. Sing it up. Stand up and sing it. You're still standing. I mean sitting. I love you. And I love your hearts. And I know that this church welcomes people of all kinds, shapes, forms, matters, backgrounds, and will love them like everything. I have people tell me, people just love. They just love you. They talk to me. They, they, they do this. They do that. We've had one particular young guy that's, you know, homeless, and he comes by here quite often, and some of you grab him and talk to him. One person gave him some money one time, gave him a job for a couple of days. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. That's the joy of our heart. Hallelujah. And you know, when you share Jesus, you don't have to give him the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation. Sometimes it's just a little snippet for the Holy Spirit to be able to bring into remembrance them the next day or two or week or two or whatever. I was telling Kelly about uh, uh, the other day, several of us, uh, Sarge was there, uh, had, a, had a meeting, Brad was there, uh, a lunch meeting, and the, the waitress's name was Mariah. And I said, I'm sorry, what was your name? She said, Mariah. I said, oh, it's a beautiful name. And she came back to the table a few minutes later, and I said, you know why I said it was a beautiful name? She said, what's that? I said, do you know anything about Abraham and Isaac in the Bible? She said, no. I said, well, you need to read that. It'll be great. Abraham made a covenant with God, which we still have the benefit of today. Abraham and Isaac, his son. I didn't say he was going to kill her, kill him. <laughs> thought, well, let's leave that to God. But anyway, and, and just gave her an encouragement. I said, you know, you really ought to go to Genesis. It's in the book of Genesis and, and read about that. You really like it. Well, that's not giving the whole gospel. I didn't say get on your knees and bow and, you know, da-da-da. But it just gave a little bit of a snippet, something for Holy Spirit to take and run with it. And, you know, I pray that in the name of Jesus, Mariah reads the book of Genesis. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is capable of getting her in that. And I believe that somebody else will come along and water it some more, and so pretty soon somebody is going to lead her to Jesus and make a harvest. Just knowing those little bitty things. I remember people witnessing to me before I was a Christian. And so many times I would just kind of say, okay, well, thank you very much. Turn around and walk off. Well, they didn't get to tell me a whole lot. 
because I was stiff-necked, hard-hearted, and everything else you can put with it. I was all about me. But that piled up. And one day, all those little batteries were putting this great big light, and it shone into my heart. And I asked Jesus to come inside. And it's the best ride there is in the whole universe. He loves you. He is the truth. And he is love. And he will reach into your heart and massage it and change it. Take out that stony thing and put in a heart of flesh. He'll walk with you hand in hand. He'll talk with you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Praise God. Would you bow with me, please? Hey, let's do this. Let's, let's do this. Everybody stand up, please. I, I hope you take this message to heart. I want to give us a, a little time. We, we didn't have a prayer time earlier. I want to take a few minutes for prayer. And maybe it's a prayer of repentance for you. Maybe it's something that you've done, said, or haven't done, or haven't said. Maybe it's a, a, a request for boldness, and you'd like somebody to agree with you for boldness to share the Word of God. That's in the Bible, the book of Acts. They, they prayed for boldness. Maybe it's something else. But whatever it is, let's, make, let's do business with God for a few minutes. Let's take advantage of what's here. There'll be people up here at the front to pray with you, but that's not necessary. You can pray standing, you can pray sitting down, you can suck carpet, you can come up here to the altar, it's open, present yourself to God, make uh, that new step of faith that you need to do to get closer to God and so that you'll manifest His presence, let His light shine from you. So let's just take a few minutes and do that, if you would, please, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, we take this time for you to uh, lead us and guide us into your plans, your will, your purposes. We love you, Jesus. We thank you that you've loved us more than we can ever think or imagine. And we thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to be able to come together in a prayer of unity for each other. And we pray for each other that the Spirit of God will open all of our hearts to make us everything that we need to be. In Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've done in this place today. God, thank you that we can walk from faith to faith and from glory to glory. God, thank you for manifesting your will, plan, and purpose to us each and every day. We at tomorrow want to see the significance of the breakthrough by the Spirit of God through the people of God and to see the people that aren't of God to come into the fold. It's our prayer, and we reach out, Father, in the heavenly places. We reach out by the Spirit. We reach out by faith and say, Lord God, send us those that you want to be here. Send us those who you want to be here. Let us be attentive to their needs. Let us be attentive to their desires that match yours. And let us be attentive to your heart for them. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Please be seated. Kelly. Hallelujah. I just hear the Spirit of God saying, um, be not afraid. 
be not timid, for my word will go forth, it will go forth with clarity. I want to use you. I want to use your voice, your words, for it is my church that is expressing my word in this hour and in this day. So hear what I have to say, children of God, and do not hold back and do not shrink back, but move forward in what you are hearing and whomever you are around, and I will see to it that my word will bring forth truth and will bring forth fruit, hallelujah, in its season and in its timing. So be not afraid, do not, hallelujah, shrink back, but move forward in all that I have planned for you, says the Lord. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's give him glory right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. You know, in, in line uh, with the, the word, we are stirred uh, in our giving. It says, don't store up treasures here on earth. Again, this wisdom of the earth and the wisdom of the world that tells us we've got to have all this stuff, right? Got to go here, got to go there and have all this stuff, okay? Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal them. Store your, your treasures where? In heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, where your treasure is. Everyone say, wherever your treasure is. There the desires of your heart will also be. Mm. Do you know what, where your heart is in an issue? Hallelujah, because that's where you're going to put your money. That's where you're going to put your time. That's where you're going to put your effort. Hallelujah. The Amplified says, for where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers around will be also. Wow. And so uh, be uh, faithful, hallelujah, in your giving. Be faithful in the time that you give. Be faithful in all those areas. I want you to remember that you can give in all the ways that we're showing you on the slides right there. You can give just with uh, the envelope there in the back, okay, and, and write out uh, your, your gift that way. Uh, don't forget also this week, everyone say this week. This week, uh, uh, coming up on Sunday, we have uh, Dr. Chris Cody. He's been here before. He's a very powerful minister of the word, very word-oriented. He knows the word. He's written books. Uh, we want to be able to uh, be uh, available and, and hear what he has to say. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes? Oh, you're waiting for me? Okay. Uh, also, remember, Wednesday at 7 p.m., we're continuing in our worldviews, part 7. It has been a magnificent time of, of understanding where the world stands, where we need to be, uh, and how we think. And, and then also, uh, I want us to uh, uh, know that uh, our wonderful brother, uh, Jonathan Krems, has been with us for quite a few years. Jonathan, if you'll kind of stand and come on up. He's uh, uh, moving, he and his family, to Tulsa, okay? We're planning there. 
yeah, we're planting him there, okay? <laughs> and so what we want to be able to do is uh, you just bless him and, and show him your, uh, your love before uh, we leave today. But we also want to pray over him and release yeah. him in the mighty name of yeah. Jesus to go and to be all that God's called him to, hallelujah, in that great town of Tulsa. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for our brother. We're not losing him. We're planting him. We're sending him out, Father, to make a... A difference in the lives of people in the Tulsa area. Thank you for his faithfulness to us. We appreciate uh, his labor of love to be here early those Sunday mornings that he's uh, on the board and to be able to be uh, a helpmate to Brad in all different areas. God, we thank you for providing their needs, him and Jen, and everything that they need will fall into place according to your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you protect them all the days of their life that they have divine protection according to Psalms 91. And God, we thank you that he has a place and Jen has a place when they're visiting, they can come back and see us and we'll still love them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise amen. God. Hallelujah. Bless you, man. Amen. We love you. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, let's give him a clap. Hallelujah. Amen. We've appreciated all that he's done for us through the years. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, I want you to watch this video, please. Uh, uh, Brad has put it together, so here we go. Hey, we know church is all about uh, worship and fellowship and study of the Word and, and coming together as God's people, but we wanted to take just a little bit of time and celebrate somebody special today. Um, he doesn't know we're doing this, and I hope I don't get in trouble for it. <laughs> but Pastor Dan... Happy birthday. Pastor Dan, happy birthday. Hey, Pastor Dan, this is Jonathan and Jennifer. We're wishing you a happy birthday. Happy birthday. Hey, Pastor Dan, this is Pastor Kelly. I'm wishing you a Merry Christmas. Nope, not a Merry Christmas. Uh, happy Independent, nope, not that either. We're not there yet, but I will wish you a happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Pastor Dan. Happy birthday, sir. Hey, Pastor Dan, wishing you a happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Pastor Dan. We love you. Hey, Pastor Dan, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Pastor Dan. Hey, Pastor Dan, happy birthday today. I can't believe that you're 23 years old. Hey, happy birthday, Pastor. You are not getting any younger. I'm prettier than you are, but I still love you. God bless. Happy birthday, Pastor Dan. We love you. Hello, this is Larita. I am Lakita's twin. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Pastor Dan, I just want to wish you a very, very happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Pastor, Pastor Dan. Dan. We love you. Yes, we just want to say sorry first. Okay, there we go. And happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. birthday, Pastor Dan. We love you. We love you. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Pastor Dan, if you'll come up here. And I want us to take some time to pray over him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just reach out your hands or if you want to come up, okay, you can do that as well. I want to offer that opportunity. 
Father, we come boldly to your throne. We lift up this wonderful shepherd, Father. Hallelujah. He is shepherding his flock. He knows the condition of his flock. And I thank you that he is aware of what you're telling him and that he is uh, following through what you're wanting him to accomplish and do. I thank you, Lord, that you give him ears to hear eyes to see and a mind to comprehend what the Spirit of God is saying and doing in this hour and to be able to articulate that, hallelujah, to his flock. I thank you, Father, for his body, every part of who he is, his mind, his will, his emotions, physical body, every part of him, hallelujah, is healthy, whole, complete, hallelujah, that he walks, hallelujah, as a man of God who is in line with the word and uh, there's freedom fruit, Father, that comes forth out of that. We bless you and thank you, Lord, for what's ahead for him. Hallelujah, that he will live that 120 years in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, just as alive and just as aware and just as full and power-packed, full of the Spirit of God. We thank you, Father God, that this man walks with integrity. Hallelujah. And that, Father, that the words that come out of his mouth, hallelujah, are fire and they are power and they are anointed. Hallelujah. And they will be like uh, uh, what you're calling him to walk in. I just thank you for the impact that he makes and that he will make in these years to come. We call him blessed. We call him, Father, that he is blessed in the country, he is blessed in the city, that he's blessed going in and he's blessed going out. And I thank you, Lord, that your face shines upon him, hallelujah, and that you go with him and before him and that you surround him and that the blood of Jesus covers him, hallelujah, and that he is every whit whole in every way, shape, and form. We bless you for the results of it and we thank you for this man in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, before you guys leave, there is cake right over there, okay, some for everybody, okay, so don't leave without some because I don't want to take five pieces, okay. Amen. <laughs> Thank you all so very much. I really love you. And uh, Sarge, if you'll see me after the meeting, I have a name of an optometrist to really help you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the word that has gone forth. We are yielded and uh, we desire to walk in repentance and walk in yieldedness. We thank you, hallelujah, for the teaching of your word. And we thank you that your word will go forth and bring forth the fruit, hallelujah, that, that uh, we know, hallelujah, that you want us to walk in. We bless you and thank you. We will take this. We are carriers and couriers of your presence and of your glory and of your message. And we thank you, Father, for the results in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.